It's great to see you all here this morning. My name is Dan Brown. I'm one of the elders here at Restoration. And uh, this week, Pastor Kevin was asked to uh, speak at the beginning of the school year retreat for Riverside Christian School. So since he was doing that all week, he asked me if I would um, take this last Sunday that we're having in our uh, Welcome to Church series that he's been doing for the month of August and, and, and speak this morning. So I was happy to do that for him. Um, so that, like I said, the last month we've been doing a series called Welcome to Church and just talking about just different aspects of our life as a church that, that are important to who we are here, here at Restoration Church. And, and Kevin, that, Kevin started that off in week one with just introducing the whole idea of when we come to church, it's not about me. You know, that, that we come to church and it's not about us. It's about God and who He is and, and knowing Him and making Him known. And it's about other people and serving and ministering to them. Week two, he talked about worship and went through the whole idea of what some of the different postures of worship are. And we had an opportunity to, to practice those. Um, week three, Jason had a chance to speak and he talked about our role in the body of Christ and how we need to be people who go out and who, who serve and, and use our gifts as part of the body. And then last week, Kevin talked about the fact that we are a people on a mission as a church. And, and that people are our, our mission. And that we are about serving people and, and reaching people with the gospel. And that's why we're here. And so this morning I'm going to wrap all this up and we're going to talk about life groups. And the important role that, that life groups play in the life of our church and in our spiritual lives. And, and my goal this morning is that by the time we're done you understand that life groups are where I think church really happens. Because when we gather as a large group on Sunday morning, I mean, this, sometimes we call this, we're going to church. But the reality is, and if you study the scriptures, you'll understand that we don't come to church. We, as believers, the body of Christ, we are the church. And this is just simply on Sunday mornings, this is the church gathered together to worship corporately. But we go during the week and we are the church in our community. And when we gather in our life groups, that's where a lot of the things we're called to do as a church really begin to happen. And that's what I want to talk about um, this morning and, and kind of bring that all, all together. And to, to start with that, I want to share a little bit of my story and kind of what brought me and my family ultimately here to, to Restoration Church. Some of you um, might know a little bit of it. Some of you probably don't. Um, but it kind of starts, I was a youth pastor for about 20 years, from about, when I say it this way, it sounds really like a long time ago, from the mid-80s to about the, the mid-2000s. And no one we're doing like 2016 now. The mid-80s sounds like a lifetime ago. But I mean, that was, I was a youth pastor, and so I worked with teens for, for about those 20 years. And in the course of my time in, in youth ministry, I had countless discussions with both teenagers and other youth pastors where they began to talk about just, there was a recurring theme of just people's dissatisfaction with the church and, and things that were happening in, in, in churches and the churches that they were a part of, of of that time. You know, it was people just kept saying again and again, I'm, I'm frustrated, I'm dissatisfied because my church just, it feels fake. It feels like when we come together, people are just kind of going through the motions. People aren't really being real and authentic with one another. You know, people come to church and they put on this mask and they pretend 
to be the way they think everybody wants them to be, but, you know, I don't feel comfortable really, you know, if I have doubts or if I have struggles or, you know, if there's something I'm going through in my life, I don't feel like church is a place that I can just be honest and open and authentic and, and, and share those kinds of things. I feel like I have to go and pretend to be somebody I'm not or that other people, that that's the way that they're, you know, approaching church. And, and over time, as I had those conversations with a number of different people, I, I realized that I wasn't the only one that was experiencing that and, and seeing, getting that kind of feedback um, from the people in, in the churches that I was serving in. Uh, there was a movement that was growing in, in our country and in a lot of ways, you know, worldwide, because I heard bit by bit about other youth pastors and pastors in other churches that were having those same conversations. And then about people who were going out and they were starting to plant, um, you know, new churches that were trying to address some of those needs. And I heard about, you know, older established congregations that were giving birth to these new worship services and, and new styles of worship that were trying to, you know, address some of those kinds of things, and, and reach people who had been turned off by the traditional church. Um, and eventually that movement kind of developed a name, and it became known as the, the Emerging Church Movement. And it was a, a movement that over time it kind of splintered off into a few different camps, and it was a lot of, because of some different theological issues, um, you know, because there were some guys who thought, well, this new idea and this new way that we're thinking about doing church means we need to rethink all of theology. And they got off into some weird theological tangents. But there were others of us who were part of that who, who were thinking, you know, it's not about rethinking theology and the message. The message we have is the truth. We just need to look at new methods of reaching and communicating and, and teaching that timeless message to a world that needs to hear it. And so a lot of those guys went out and they started new, new churches to try and, and address some of those needs. Um, and a lot of other of us, we went and we had the opportunity to, to birth services inside of, you know, churches that had more traditional ways of ministering. And I had an opportunity when I was in California to, to do that. Um, I had a, a, a chance to, to launch it and lead for about a year and a half a, a new worship service that, you know, we did some really exciting things. I mean, to this day, it's still one of the most fulfilling and enjoyable things I've done in, in ministry of just launching that service and seeing God work and move in the lives of those kids. And now those kids are, you know, adults and they're having kids of their own, but still seeing how engaged, you know, they are in, in the new churches that they've gone on um, to, to be a part of. But eventually God called us to leave that church in California. And I was, about a year later, I was called to be the, the pastor of a, a small uh, church in Portland. And it was an older, very traditional congregation, but there was a group of leaders at that church who had a vision, because it was, it, was it was a small traditional congregation that was dying because it wasn't connecting or reaching with a community around it that had changed drastically in the about 50 years, 50 years that it had been, been there. And so the leadership of the church said, we want you to come in and we want you to help us transition as a church from this this ingrown church that's not effective at, at reaching our community to to a church that we really are going to reach our our friends our family the neighbors that are around us um, here in this area of Portland and so as, as I went in I did that one of the key elements of the the plan we put in place and what we tried to execute was a strong small group 
ministry and, and seeing that grow. But, but all of that grew out of the need that, that I saw and I heard from people I'd worked with, a generation of people who, who longed for authenticity, a generation that longed and wanted to be connected with one another, and they wanted to experience true community with one another. People that were tired of church that was dull and boring and, and, and lifeless. They were tired of being around Christians who felt like they were always wearing a mask and trying to pretend that everything is fine. Because we all know the reality that that's not how life is. Life isn't always fine. We're not always doing great and and feeling like everything's perfect. Because life is a struggle. And and, and we we need a place that we can feel safe to share that with, with one another. Because... I think that's what we all want. Deep down, we all want to have that place where we feel like we belong. We feel like we're connected. We feel like, you know, I don't have to put on a show, put on a mask, pretend to be something I'm not. You know, if I've had a terrible week, I can come in and I can say, you know, how are you? I'm lousy because my week was awful. Everything went exactly wrong. And it's okay, because you can say that and you're not going to be judged. You're not going to be condemned for, for, for feeling that way, where we can be real and open and honest. And that's one of the reasons, you know, our family ended up here at Restoration Church, because we feel like this is a place where it's okay to say, I'm not okay. I've got problems. I'm struggling. I mean, that, that's part of our name. You know, it's not perfection church it's restoration church it's a place where people can come and god can restore lives i think god can work through this church to do a work in our community and restore our community in so many ways it's there in our name that's why we exist because this is a place where we can belong where we can know that we belong and we are accepted for who we are and not who we pretend to be. And that, that's one of the things I appreciate about Kevin. I think he does a great job of modeling that for us and letting us know that it's okay to be honest about our struggles and our hurts. So that, that's what I want to try and help us think about this morning and see the role that, that small groups play in that. Because the reality is that kind of community, it's one thing to say that's who we are, but to achieve that is... A challenge um, all of its own and it's, it's even more of a challenge if all we do is just show up on Sunday morning because to have that kind of openness and authenticity in a larger group setting like this is, is difficult it's difficult to have the closeness the connection the the feeling of, of comfort that you need to really open up with somebody and, and be honest if all you do is is show up on a Sunday morning if we want to be the kind of biblical community of Christ followers that we see talked about in Scripture, a, a group of people who aren't just a social club, who you know don't just view this as a place that we come together once a week and we meet and we chat and we hang out and we smile, we say, hey, everything's great, and then we all go our way. If we want to get beyond that to be a, a, a church, to be a group of people that are united, by what we hold in common. It takes more than just being together once a week. It takes being together in smaller groups throughout the week 
to build those kind of deeper connections that we need. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. So as we begin, let's open with prayer. Father God, I ask this morning that as we talk about the importance of being together as the body of Christ in small groups, in life groups, that your spirit would just speak through me, that you would communicate your truth, that you would help us to understand what your desire is for the kind of community that you want us to experience and know as part of the body of Christ. I just I pray that your spirit would speak this morning through me and to the hearts of each and every one that's here, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So if, if you've got your Bible, um, take it out and, and open up to Acts chapter 2. Because um, the first thing I want to do is I want to look at, this is the earliest glimpse we have of what the early church was like, of what they did, what they participated in, the types of community that that very, very early church had. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Because the Bible tells us about the kind of church that I think we desire and want to and need to be. Acts chapter 2, let's look at verses 42 through 47. And look at what the early church did, what they practiced, how they lived together. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, this isn't a picture of a perfect church. These guys didn't have any model of some mega church that was doing it right. And they say, well, we just need to copy what those folks are doing. This is the first church. This is the beginning of the church. I mean, the day of Pentecost has just happened. Peter's preached. Thousands of people have turned and begun to follow Christ. And now Christ's 12 disciples are given the task of leading this group of a few thousand to become what is going to be the church. This, and this is what they begin to do. And they weren't perfect. They were trying to figure it out. They made mistakes along the way. But the important thing I want us to see is that they did it together. The thing that occurs again and again and again in that passage is that they were together. I mean, look at what it says about them. It says, they joined together with other believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. They met together constantly. They shared everything that they had. They shared with those that were in need. They worshipped together in homes. They shared meals with great joy and generosity. Again and again and again, it's about being together. It's about being a group that is united. About sharing with people who need and have wants. 
that's what characterized the early church. They were characterized, they were known for their unity, for their love, for what they had together. And the reason was because all that they had together was each other. When, when you became in that early culture a follower of Christ, it was a radical commitment. And in many cases, in most cases, it meant you were going to be on your own. When you turned to follow Christ, it could mean that you were going to lose your job. You knew it probably meant you were going to end up being persecuted. Some of your friends would probably desert you. The church became all that you had. Listen to this quote. This is from a a guy by the name of Wayne Meeks. He's a professor at Yale who's done a a lot of writing um, about the early church and, and, and what he did. And this is what he says about community. He says, To be baptized into Jesus Christ signaled an extraordinary, thoroughgoing re-socialization in which the sect was intended to become virtually the primary group for its members, supplanting all other loyalties. When you became a follower of Christ in the early church, that became your family. And you worshipped with a, usually it was going to be with a small group. You would worship in like, in a small house church. Usually a small number of people, a lot of times that lived in the same area that you did. You probably saw them maybe almost every day, if not for sure, every day. You became an intimate part of their lives. And today that's something that we've kind of lost. As our cultures become more, you know, more diverse, more, more spread out, more mobile. You know, that kind of community that used to exist in churches has, has dissipated somewhat. You know, and as a lot of churches have grown and we see more and more mega churches, it's harder to find that kind of connection, that kind of community. And it's hard to build that in an authentic way, that kind of biblical community. And we need that. But th- there's movements growing even today that are sensing that need. And, and, and are, are trying to, to find ways that we can capture that in our culture. There's a growing house church movement today where more and more people are, are having churches that aren't getting bigger and bigger, but getting smaller and smaller. There are even big churches who are broken up into lots of small house churches, and that's their primary meeting, and they occasionally will meet together in large, in large groups. One of the largest churches in the world, um, over in Asia is thousands and thousands of people, but it's a network of house churches, of smaller churches and community, but all under the umbrella of a large church. There's another group that's sprung up here in the Northwest called the Parish Collective that, that began with a guy by the name of Paul Sparks that I had the chance of meeting when I was a pastor down in Portland, who was the pastor of a large church in Tacoma. And one Sunday, he just felt like this is not what church is supposed to be, this large show that we get together and we put on, you know, for a few thousand people every Sunday morning. That it, but there's no community, there's no connection. We need to be people who are connected and who are tied together. And so he got up on a Sunday morning and he said, you know, next Sunday we're, we're taking our church in a new direction. And if you don't live within a certain, you know, radius of this church, then we want to encourage you to find a new church. We think you need to be in a church that's local to where you live. Not, we don't want to be a commuter church. 
And we want to be a church to this community that's within like, you know, a mile radius of where our building is. And, and we want to impact this area, this little parish. And that's what he began to do. And he saw in the course of about three weeks, his church go from a few thousand down to about 400. And he was happy about that because he was like, I can truly pastor a group that's getting smaller like this. And we can have an impact in, in our local community. And that was the way we approached our ministry even when I was in Portland at LifeGate. Our goal was, we had people scattered all over the Portland area, but we really focused our ministry locally on like what we were doing right there in our neighborhood and trying to reach the immediate area around where we were. Because there could be more connection with people. It would be people I would run into every day. You know, when I would go down to, to the subway on the corner, or I would you know, get my hair cut or whatever, I could interact with people that I was trying to reach and bring into our church. And a lot of those we saw that came and became a part of it. But that was the kind of community that the early church experienced because all they had was each other. And they continually interacted and came together and worked with one another. So to, to learn about how maybe we can, because our culture is obviously drastically different and, and than the culture of, of the, you know, the first century church that we're looking at here. And, and I'm not proposing that for us to achieve that kind of community that we adopt, you know, maybe some of the more radical ideas that other people have done. But within our church context, the way I think we can do that is through life groups and having each of us plug in to a life group you can find the kind of community biblically that we need through doing that. So to get a little more of a glimpse into what that type of community might look like for us today in our culture, I want us to look at another um, just snapshot of the early church. If you want to flip over to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. I think we can see a couple things here that we must be as a church if we're going to be the kind of church that God has called us to be. Because these are the things that are going to happen best for us as a church in the context of a, of a life group. Because life groups are where church is really going to happen for us. So look at the book of Colossians. I'm going to read verses um, chapter 3, Colossians 3, verses 12 through 16. Then I'm going to break it down. We're going to get a couple points out of this. And above all, I'll go back to verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So the first thing from this passage that we need to do as a church is as a church I think we need to see that we must be united. Look at verses 14 and 15. 
It says, and above all these put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. God wants us to be a people that are united, that are together on our mission. We need to be bound together. We need to be in harmony. And the idea of being united means we're all on the same page in terms of where we're going. Because on one side we have united. The, other, the opposite of united is what? It would be division. Well, what is division? You break that word down. You know, the prefix, D-I, stands for two. So division is when you have two visions. You have people who have two different ideas, two visions of where you're supposed to go as a church. That brings division in a church. If you've got two groups that say, well, I think the church should be doing this, and I think the church should be doing this. And that's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants us, Satan wants us as a church to be a group of people who are divided, who are going in two separate directions, where there are factions within a church. That's what the enemy would love to see happen. And, and so when we have that two separate visions that causes, that causes division, when we're not clear on what we're called to do. But one of the things that I love about our church and I love about Pastor Kevin is he's crystal clear. He knows, and we've heard it I don't know how many times in the past four weeks, about what our mission is, what our vision is here at Restoration. To know Christ and to make Him known. And there should be no division about that. We should all be able to say, yeah, that is exactly why we exist as a church. That is what we are called to do. And we need to be 100% behind that idea and that vision for Restoration Church and that mission. Let's go and let's find as many ways as possible that we can on Sunday mornings throughout the week in our life groups to know Christ and then to go and to make Him known. Because that can't just be a nifty slogan that we hear every once in a while from the front. And then we forget as we go, you know, about our way. That's got to be the mission of our church. And if it's truly true, what, we, what I began by saying, that this, this building, when we come together, this isn't the church, but we are the church, and we come together and we gather, that mission to know Christ and to make Him known, if you consider yourself to be a part of Restoration Church, that has to be your mission in life. That's the only way that we accomplish that is when each one of us says, yeah, I buy in. I am all in on that. I want to, with everything that I am, I want to know Christ. I want to know Him deeper and deeper and more and more intimately. And as I grow and I know more, know Christ more, then I can go out and I can make Him known in my community, with my friends, at my job, in my school, wherever that is. That's my mission. That is my calling. And as we are united together in doing that, we become more and more effective as the church in fulfilling that. I mean, think about this. 
the Greek word for church. Do you, do you realize the, the word that we have for church, the Greek word that's translated church in, in the New Testament, was not a new word that they made up. They didn't create a new word to define what the church was. They took an existing word that explained it clearly, and they adopted that for, for the early church. The, the Greek word for church is ekklesia. And ekklesia literally means called out ones. And like I said, that wasn't a new word to describe the church. It was a pretty common word in the Greek culture that was used to describe any group of people that were called out for a purpose. So if you were in a community and there was going to be a community meeting to to discuss something, when they would call out all the people in the community for that meeting, that was an ecclesia. It was a group of people who were called out for a purpose. When you were in an army and you were, you were sent out to, to, a, to a battle or to accomplish something, that was an ecclesia. You were called out for battle for a specific purpose. So as a church, we now are God's called out ones. We have been called out of the world to be His followers, to accomplish His purpose in the world. To know Jesus Christ and to make Him known. That's our mission. That's our calling. To be His body, to be His ambassadors to the world, to show His character to the world around us. His love. His acceptance, His forgiveness. To be, as the Bible says, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. To truly be His body in the world. To do the things in the world that He wants to do and that He wants to accomplish. As a church, that's what we are called to do. So number one thing we have to do as a church is we have to be united in that purpose, in that mission. We have to be united and working together for that. And the second thing we have to be doing as a church is we have to be living out the one another's. Look at verse, um, verses 12 and 13 and verse 16 of Colossians chapter 3. Put on then as God's chosen one, and listen to all the one another's that are here. As God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And then go down to verse 16. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The one another's that are there just in that short passage of the things that we're supposed to be working on and accomplishing together. Bear with one another. Forgive one another admonish each other and you know and that just scratches the surface of what the scriptures say are the one another's i'm going to give you just because i I think it's important for you to have and just take one of these and just pass them around we're we're a church family we can kind of do this kind of stuff it's all right on a sunday morning but i mean just get an idea of what all the one another's are in the New Testament. I mean, this isn't necessarily even all of them that you could find. 
But this just gives you an idea of these are the things we're supposed to be practicing and doing together. To love one another. To care for one another. Forgive one another. Live in harmony with one another. Welcome one another. And the, I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. I would encourage you maybe this week, take some time. Read through the list. Study it. Think about how can I be practicing all of these one another's in my life? Because that's what we're called to do as the body of Christ, to be practicing and, and living out the one another's. And, and here's the problem. This is why one of the reasons I think life groups are so vitally important. If the only time you see others in the body of Christ is on a Sunday morning, how difficult does that make it for you to live out the one another's in your life? How can you effectively love and care for one another if you just see each other for an hour, an hour and a half on a Sunday morning? How much more effective are you going to be and am I going to be at living out one another's if you are meeting regularly with a smaller group of believers where you can get to know people on a lot deeper, more intimate level. You can really begin to know about the struggles, the hurts that somebody's having. You know, we're supposed to weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. In a small group, you have the opportunity to do that. To share about the, the pain, the hurts, the joys, the, you know, the, the, the things that we can celebrate in life. Those things can happen in a small group, life group setting. Small group gives you the regular opportunity to be with other believers and to practice those things and to live those things out. Because when the Bible talks about the fellowship, the unity that we're supposed to have, that's what it is. It's that, it's that community. It's that common unity that we have. People who are united in purpose and people who are caring for one another. And when we're meeting together regularly in a life group, those things can begin to happen. We can begin to love one another because that's what the world is hungry for. Listen to what Jesus said in John 13, verse 35. When Jesus said, this is how the whole world's going to know that you're my disciples, it wasn't because you had the greatest programs You know, it wasn't because you had the best speaker at your church. It wasn't because you had the best worship band. I mean, ours is pretty good. But that's not what Jesus said was going to be the thing that was going to set us apart. Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The one defining characteristic that Jesus said would set the body of Christ apart from everything else. The one thing that would define us, that all people would know that we were His disciples, it's our love for one another. 
And to have that kind of love and to experience it and to have a place to express it. The best place I've seen and I've experienced that has been the times I've been involved in a life group. Uh, I just want to share with you, uh, just, this is just a little testimonial that was written by somebody that was a part of a life group that I had a chance to lead a few, few years ago. Um, and, and this is what she wrote. She wrote, even though Thursdays are often my busiest day, it's also my favorite. There's not many things that can get me to miss my life group meeting. It's my lively adult conversation night. It's not a group of people I would have thought of for my Bible study, but I wouldn't give them up for anything. I know I would not not have gotten to know these guys so well, except for our group. I've been able to learn an incredible amount about God's plan for me. There's never a dumb question or answer. I always walk away with a sense of knowing and peace. Being able to break down books and chapters and verses into smaller parts of the study has taught me so much. I often read parts of the Bible and not really understand what, what, all of what I'm reading. But now I have a place to find those answers. Small group helps me decipher the true meaning. Our discussions often wonder, but there again, we learn from those wonderings. Having this family to lean on in my journey with God gives me a wonderful sense of security and love. I thank you, God, for my small group. That's just one snapshot of what you can experience if you're plugged in and you're part of a life group, a a group of people who, who are living together as a community of believers that are committed to knowing Christ and making Christ known. A group of people that are united together in that mission that are truly committed to living out the one another's together as part of the body of Christ. And if we do that, the world, and especially downtown Yakima, where God has strategically placed this church, are going to know that this, what we're talking about, is not just another Religion. It's not just a, a, a set of, of do's and don'ts and rules to live by. But this is really about a group of people who have been transformed because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's who we're called to be. And the best way that it happens I truly believe is in a life group setting. When you're meeting together regularly with that smaller group of people. So if you're here this morning and you've been struggling, you know, maybe you've been coming to Restoration Church for a while and you've just been struggling to feel connected or to to find a spot to, to plug in or to really feel like you've gotten to know some people here. Or maybe you're just feeling stagnant in your spiritual growth and you just feel like, I'm just kind of stuck. I can't, I'm not growing the way I want to be. You want, you want more. You want to grow. Um, you want to really feel like you're a part of the community of believers here. I would challenge you. I would encourage you to plug into a small group. Plug into a life group. And what is it? Simply, it, a life group is a group of people that just meet together regularly once a week. Usually it's in a home um, this series of life groups, we've got a couple that are meeting at the ministry center. 
but they meet together. We're going to study the Bible together. Um, I think three of our, our life groups this time are going to be digging deeper into what the, the message that Kevin's preached on Sunday, and we'll have a series of questions that we'll just we'll talk about how we live that out. What does that mean to really take that and apply it? You know, and, and how do we really understand? We can talk about those kinds of questions. We, we, we pray together. Sometimes we, we share a meal together or, or a snack or just some kind of food because that's just what we do around here, right, Kevin? <laughs> um, you know, and it, it's a place to live together as the body of Christ, to practice those one another's and, and to care for one another. And so this morning, we've got, if, when, when you leave here, on the resource table in the back, if you go right through those doors and, and, and directly to the right, there, there's a list. There's four different life groups that you can sign up for. And just really quickly, um, just tell you what they are. Uh, Tuesday nights, 6 to 7.45, is one of our life groups led by Ben Rodriguez. They're going to be meeting at the ministry center. Child care is available um, for that group. Huh? It is. So that's changed, huh? All right. That, that's, that's not what it said back there. So that's at the Sumner's house. It's not at the ministry center. So there we go. Any other changes I need to know about? Okay. <laughs> so that's the first one. Uh, next one is on Tuesday night, 6.15 to 8, led by Steve Scott. That's going to be at the Scott's home. Um, the third life group, and these first three, these are the ones that we're doing questions that are all um, coming off of Kevin's sermons on Sunday morning. Um, the third one's going to be Sunday nights from 6 to 7.30. Um, I'll have the opportunity to lead that one, and we will be meeting at the ministry center and have child care for that. And then the fourth life group that we're having is going to be on Thursday nights, and this one's going to be a new believers, um, just kind of a foundations in the faith uh, study. It's going to be led by uh, Rick Edgerly, and that is going to be from 6.45 to 8 at the Edgerly's home. So those are the four different life groups right now that you can sign up for. And if those four fill up... Um, you know, Kevin's already said, then we'll, we'll start, we'll launch a new one and, and, and we'll do that. But um, we, we've got four for you to come and, and to be a part of. And I would strongly encourage you, if you haven't been a part of one before, take the opportunity and plug in. Be a part of that because it's a place that you can live together with a group of people on mission and, and live out the one another's. Because I really believe that we can only truly be the church when we're living together in community. And, and in our 21st century Western culture, our best opportunity to do that is through being a part of a life group. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this church. I thank you that, you know, Almost three years ago now, you brought my family and I here and that you've allowed us to, to be a part of the work that you are doing here. And I, I pray for each one of these life group leaders, that God, you would be preparing their hearts for the coming season. I pray for each person that's going to be a part of those life groups, that you would help all of us to be united together in the mission that we are on, that you would help us to just desire to know you and to make you known passionately in our community. And that we would truly 
think about how we can live out the one another's that you've given us throughout the New Testament. That we would do that together. God, if there are people here this morning that are maybe on the fence about this or just thinking, man, you know, it's kind of freaky going to somebody else's house on a night. Somebody I've maybe never met before. And that's a little intimidating. God, I pray that you would just give them the nudge to take that step this morning. To not just go to the back and put their name on a piece of paper, but then in a couple weeks when these groups kick off, to truly take that step to get in their car and drive there and go up and and ring the doorbell of somebody that might be a stranger's house. That, That can be intimidating, God, but I know that the, the payoff so much outweighs that, that risk that we take. So God, I pray for your blessing this coming season on our life groups. God, I pray that our church would, would grow deeper and that we would grow in terms of our impact in our ministry. Use us for your honor and glory, God. In Jesus' name.